Our integrity depends on our ability to say, I am wrong. I made a mistake. I am sorry. Welcome to the Humble Jurist Podcast by the J. Reuben Clark Law Society. My name is Adam Belinsky, and today we're going to listen to an excerpt of a speech by Sister Ruth Renland, a speech she gave at an international fireside in 2017. We just heard a sneak peek. For those of you who don't know her, she's a seasoned attorney by profession and a prominent leader in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. During this segment, she'll share three lessons from life and law. Enjoy. Tonight, I wish to speak about some life lessons I learned from the law and the lawyer who helped me learn them. First, a little about the lawyer, Merlin Rex Libert, my father. Some of you may remember him. I never practiced law with him. We just practiced life together. My impression of lawyers was largely shaped by my dad. He was from Canada and never graduated from high school. He came to the United States with the intention of attending Brigham Young University, but he couldn't find a job in Provo. As a result, he and my mom settled in Salt Lake City. He entered the University of Utah on probation because he failed French on his national high school exam. In Canada, French was a required course, and his small town in southern Alberta did not have a qualified French teacher. Dad did not complete his undergraduate work at the University of Utah either, because law school representatives recruited him to attend law school before he graduated. Well, obviously to the students here, law school admission procedures were a little different then. So he held only one degree, a Juris Doctorate. I became interested in the law as a kid by watching him. I attended my first deposition with him when I was nine years old. We drove together to Vernal, Utah, where I first learned that you could have a candy bar without having to share it, where he took a deposition at the front of an old courtroom while I sat at the back and soaked it all in. Growing up, I was the one at the dinner table who asked about his hearings and trial preparation. He was a loving husband, father, neighbor, priesthood leader. Although he was the prime reason I was interested in the law, he discouraged me from going to law school. He had a low opinion of what he called lady lawyers. But several years later, when I was thinking about law school again, he could tell that I was intent, so he not only encouraged me, but loaned me money for tuition. My dad was a practical man with common sense that served him well in law and life. Here are three law and life lessons he both taught and practiced. Life lesson number one, learn to disagree without being disagreeable. Coming out of law school, I thought I knew what lawyers did, argue, and are not arguments by definition, definition disagreeable as well. Good advocacy requires a vigorous defense or promotion of a client's cause. Then I remembered watching my father in action, walking down the street, in the courtroom, in the neighborhood, and in the church. Attorneys who were routinely on the other side of the bar, he greeted with warmth. He told me who they were and how he knew them. They are my friends, friends with different opinions, he said. 
He told me if you want to enjoy the practice of law, you have to learn to disagree without being disagreeable and don't take an opposing opinion personally. I could easily see that Dad enjoyed his work because he worked with his friends. He was also effective in his law practice because opposing attorneys knew that with Dad, they did not need to argue over the inconsequential just to make a point. They also knew that regardless of what was happening at work, they had a friend in Merlin Libert. Now, in practice, we know that it is not always easy to disagree and be pleasant. For one thing, clients do not often understand how lawyers can oppose each other in the courtroom or in a deposition room and sit down to lunch pleasantly afterwards. When potential clients came to me looking for a nasty, aggressive lawyer who was going to go after the party, the other party, I'd say, I'm not your lawyer, because I knew that a case would progress faster, the results would be more favorable if I looked for ways to get along with the other lawyers. And the fact is, my life was pleasanter. The solution to a problem is easier to see when reason and clear thinking prevail over emotion and self-promotion. This approach to colleagues made the practice of law more enjoyable, and it's also made life enjoyable. As you know, when you are a lawyer or a recovering lawyer, you can never have too many friends. This has also been a great life lesson as well. Often we interact with people who disagree with us. Some may live in the same house. It's helpful when we can say, I can see we are not going to agree on this subject. That's okay. I still like you and respect your opinion, and I hope you will extend the same courtesy to me. The ability to have a conversation, a real discussion, with someone who disagrees with you is becoming rare. It has been replaced with name-calling, hand-waving, and shouting. It leads to entrenchment in an opinion, less cooperation, offense, and hurt. Our shared religious conviction rejects a disagreeable attitude and enshrines instead what we call the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It is possible to treat a person well, be kind even, and still disagree with him. In fact, it is our obligation as disciples of Jesus Christ. Life lesson number two. When you're in a hole, stop digging. My father famously and repeatedly said, Remember the first rule of holes. As a kid growing up on a farm, Dad realized early on that you cannot get out of a hole by continuing to dig. This law of nature is also a law of life. It may be hard to confess a mistake to a client, a misrepresentation to a judge, or a mistaken legal position to an opposing attorney, but the alternative is worse. Our integrity depends on our ability to say, I am wrong. I made a mistake. I am sorry. I don't know why it is so hard to say these words, but it is. My experience, however, is that when I admitted a mistake or wrongdoing, the person who was offended or wronged trusts me more. 
I, like you, have seen careers and lives destroyed when an attorney tried to cover up a problem rather than admit it and fix it. I remember a situation early in my career with a man who represented himself as an attorney but did not seem to have a basic understanding about certain legal principles. To make matters worse, he was my boss at the Utah Attorney General's office. He had been the campaign manager for the newly elected Attorney General and was named Chief Assistant Attorney General in the office. His name was on the letterhead with a bar number, which denoted his status as an admitted member of the Utah Bar. I was not the only one who noticed some deficiencies in legal reasoning with this man. In fact, the office was buzzing with suspicion and doubts about this new boss. It was the worst of all worlds, party politics and office politics. One day, a suspicious, a suspicious lawyer in the office called the Utah Bar Office to see if the bar number on the letterhead belonged to this man. It did not. Shortly after, it became public that this man was using the bar number of a classmate who was admitted in both Utah and another state and was practicing in the other state. The bar office took action against him for the unauthorized practice of law and other offenses. He was permanently banned from practicing in Utah. In explanation for his actions, the supposed attorney said that he did not pass the bar exam and was too embarrassed to tell his boss. Too bad he did not understand the first rule of holes. In life, as well as in the law, we may occasionally forget this important rule. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis from The Great Divorce explained the principle this way. Some try to unify heaven and hell instead of choosing one or the other. Lewis continues that some of us think that development or adjustment or refinement will somehow turn evil into good. This belief I take to be a disastrous error. We are not living in a world where all roads are radii of a circle and where all, if followed long enough, will therefore draw gradually nearer and finally meet at the center. Lewis continued, I do not think that all who choose wrong roads perish, but their rescue consists in being put back on the right road. Evil cannot be undone, but it can—oh, excuse me—evil can be undone, but it cannot develop into good. Time does not heal it. The spell must be unwound bit by bit, or else not. Our shared religious belief names this principle repentance. Believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them, and humble yourselves before God, and ask in sincerity of heart that He would forgive you. And now, if you believe all these things, see that you do them. From this I conclude that God also believes in the first rule of holes. Life lesson number three, you only have one reputation. This lesson is really two lessons in one statement. When I got my first job as a lawyer, my dad said to me, Ruth, you have a chance now that you will never have again to create a reputation as a lawyer. Work hard, always be prepared, and follow the rules. That was it. 
the fundamentals of a reputation. Dad knew what he was talking about. He had a reputation for working hard, always being prepared, and following the rules. I learned this when, in a twist of irony, as my dad was leaving the law after his call as a general authority for the Church, I joined a firm that often handled medical malpractice cases, which my dad usually defended. Those plaintiffs' lawyers were quick to tell me my dad was always prepared, could be trusted because he followed the rules, and because he did, he was tough. While practicing law, it did not take long to discover what reputation a lawyer had among her colleagues. Fair or not, reputation precedes a person. It takes only a few moments to destroy a good reputation, but a lifetime to build a good one. Work hard. Be prepared. Follow the rules. Always. I can hear Jesus' voice in those few words as well. Wherefore, settle this in your hearts, that ye will do the things which I shall teach and command you. When we settle our minds and our hearts on becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, we will naturally build good character and a good reputation will follow. The second part of life lesson number three, you only have one reputation, refers to our reputations as lawyers and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They must be one and the same. We must not be one person at home, another person at work, and yet another at church. We only have one reputation. In the wise words of the fictional character Dumbledore from a Harry Potter book, it is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. We need to choose to have our actions reflect our religious beliefs, our personal religious convictions, bring strength to the law, but also to our homes, to our community, and to our Church. We call this integrity. We are all familiar with the story of Job and the tests he endured, yet in the end he said, Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. To me, that's another way to say the same thing Dad taught me years ago. You only have one reputation. As I reflect on these three life lessons, I am profoundly grateful to my father for teaching me important principles that were important for life as well as the law. Because with any luck, we will all stop practicing law before we stop practicing life. It's a great talk. If you want to hear the whole thing, head over to the J. Ruben Clark Law Society YouTube channel. Some other treasures there, too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Humble Jurist Podcast. Till next time, be humble and just.